real treat today. Our evidence there are going to be sharing on worship. They have their tag team. It's a wonderful message. So um, before they come up, we're going to queue up a video from Phil Strout, our national director from Vineyard, about worship. We are a worshiping community. Oh, I love the sounds of that. Let me tell you a quick story, that the, the way I understand it. And of course, as you know, I want to... Uh, I don't know every story, but I've heard the folklore stories as time goes on. But think of a, a small group of people in Southern California gathering on Sunday nights because they were so desperately dry in their Christian journey. They were they had been pilgrims. They had been faithful. They had been serving God, but just had come to a place that I think even they referenced themselves as some burned-out Pharisees. They started to gather, and they started singing simple love songs to Jesus. That's all they did. They weren't trying to put on a show. They weren't having a worship service. They were simply singing their hearts to Jesus. And what they realized is Jesus began to meet with them on those Sunday nights. He began to show up. They would cry. They would sing. They would sing to him, not about him. That group had no idea that it was giving birth to something that would penetrate so deeply into the body of Christ around the world today in the 21st century. I think worship in the vineyard can never be celebrated enough. It's ne we're never going to go overboard with worship. Worship in, and that this whole thing of intimacy, um, you know, in that day and as vineyard music developed and the worship that the uh, style of the vineyard, it became something that um, was out ahead maybe, uh, a, a little distance of what was going on. And, and we begin to share that around through uh, vineyard music and CDs and all of that. But, you know, that is something that was so wonderful that we shared that with the rest of the body of, the, uh, body of Christ. Well, well, today, this, just, this whole thing goes around the world. I've been in countries, uh, true story, I was in a country where they were singing. I asked them if they'd ever heard of the vineyard, and uh, they said no, they had never heard of the vineyard. But when I was in their worship service on Sunday morning, they sang three vineyard worship songs. But they didn't know it. They weren't doing it because it was vineyard. It had just come to, and this was, these were songs that were translated into another language. So vineyard has made a, a contribution to this. But what, what, what are some of the distinctions even of vineyard worship? Let me, let me tell you one of the big ones. It sings to Jesus. It worships God. It's not singing about Him. It's not telling the, 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 the history of God. It is singing in the, in the first person, in the present moment, I love you. I lift my hands up. And that, that worship just has, has set a course for us in the vineyard. Uh, we, we, we will never uh, walk away from, from our roots, just our roots in the vineyard, worship. And uh, today, with all the other groups doing so much to make contributions, we're one of many, we celebrate that. That's part of, that's part of who we are. Uh, so good. Good morning. Welcome to Vineyard Cleveland. We're glad that you're here this morning. We hope that you feel welcome, you feel safe to experience something of God with us. And we're, uh, we're happy to be doing life together as family and, and journeying this thing out together. And it's good that you're, you're here. Okay, today we're going to chat about, about worship. And worship is very uh, foundational to who the Vineyard is. Um, the Vineyard Movement was founded out of a place of worship. How you heard uh, Phil just chat about there briefly, it wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of guys in some back room strategizing about the next move of God. It was simply um, a few people showing up super desperate, super hungry for God. And so we're going to talk about um, the d Vineyard distinctive of worship and I wanted us to look primarily at uh, Paul's letter to the Romans in, in Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2, as sort of a guideline through this teaching and through our, our time together as Sarah and I share. And I want us to think about like uh, who, who we worship and why we worship and how we worship. And I want us to sort of get at this practical thing of worship because it would be the worst thing if we just shared a bunch of like religious kind of philosophical jargon up here and it had nothing to do with 
living our everyday lives, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, you know? What does worship have to do with, with being a mom? What does worship have to do with being a husband? What does worship have to do with being a dad? What does worship have to do with being a teacher? What does, what does worship have to do with, with your job or your finances or your family and, and what you experience there? So we're, we're really going to get at this thing of worship today. And I want to invite you to, to pray along with me as we uh, invite God's presence. So, Father, thank you so much for uh, who you are, that you love us, that you are a kind Father that uh, cares for us, that embraces us right where we are. Jesus, come and walk the rose this morning. You know where people are at, and you, you see every single heart in this room. You know the broken places. You know the soft places edges, you know, the, um, the weak places, and I pray that your kingdom would rest upon brokenness this morning, that your kingdom would come in power, that your kingdom would rest on weakness this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill, uh, fill Sarah and I as we share. I pray that you would put power on what, what we say, that it would be... Uh, transformative, that something that we say would connect with where people are living today, and that would be uh, positive and um, effectual for change and, um, and goodness in people's lives. We want to experience your goodness, God. Would you come? Would you help us learn how to carry uh, your presence and steward your presence and release that in, into the culture around us? We love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I'd like to um, step back now because I know y'all didn't come here to see me. Okay, so we're just going to hand it off to my better half and we'll just do a little tag team. If that, We've never done this before. Uh, we just got done doing it the first time. And I thought, I mean, what did you think? Do you think it went okay? I mean, I thought you did a really great job. I ran into somebody after the service and they're like, man, your wife really showed you up. And I said, I, I said, I can't argue with that. I know, I know who's got the goods in this relationship, so tag, you're it. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys. It's good to be here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's funny. I've never done, like, this as far as, like, two in a row. This is interesting. This is fun. It's like a whole new group of people. It's fun. But, um, okay, well, talking about worship, the first, the first point that I'm going to talk on is who, who we worship. And I know you're like, oh, we worship God, we worship Jesus. Um, but there are just a few, like, a few things that I think really help us know, like, who, who we are worshiping. Because who, who God is is so complex. He's, you know, he's not just this big being up in the sky, you know, that's kind of, growing up, that's, it's kind of all that I thought God was. I remember I would, like, say my prayers at night, and I, I just, it was like this same little phrase that I would say every night, and, and there was really, I, I didn't have intimacy with God. I, I lacked that, you know, I never, I never knew who Jesus was till I was 19, so for me, I just, there was God, and I'm grateful that I knew that there was at least God, but I never knew the depth of who, <clears throat> of who he was. Um, and the first thing is knowing God, he is creator. Um, I mean, God is so many things, but when we look at Genesis 1-1, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's pretty big. I mean, he, when you think about that, he like, is the same God who, who you know, spoke the stars into the universe, who created the earth, who, who knit each one of us together inside of our mother, um, you know, I, I, met, I, I met a girl after first service who, she was like, do you knit? And I was like, no, I wish I did. She was like, oh, because I knit. And so I really, I loved that example that you gave of how God, like, knit, knit us together. Because as someone, if anyone here does knit, like, you know how intricate it is and how much time it takes. And when you think about how amazing it is that God, like, knit each one of us, like, our skin, and 
He like threaded our hair. Like in, I mean, it's just, it's amazing that he knit us inside of each of our mothers, you know, that my sweet kids were, were knit inside of me. And I just, I think that's amazing. And, and as we even just like think about who God is and what he's done, it just like ushers us in, you know. Anytime I even talk about who God is, I just feel that welling up inside of me, just like an awe of who he is that, you know, it being springtime now, like we're getting to see the flowers bloom and, you know, the tulips and how beautiful they are, like watching them just like come up and then how they have this little moment of perfection, you know, before they start to like completely bloom and roses and, I mean, God is creator. He is creator. He created us. He created like everything beautiful that we could ever see and that I just, I love that. And always a memory that I have that is like the perfect, for me, the perfect picture of just being in awe of God's wonder and his beauty is um, Evan and I went out to California for our our 10-year wedding anniversary, um, about three years ago now, and I had been to California, and he had never been, and I just couldn't wait for him to get to see, like, this beautiful land called California, and, you know, we got to go, and we, we had this, like, fun little Mustang that we got to drive, you know, around on the Pacific Coast Highway, and it was, like, a far cry from our minivan at the time, and we joked, we're like, at midnight, our Mustang's going to turn back into a minivan, and, and our kids were here staying with Grandma and Pop-Pop in, in Mount Vernon, and so we had this wonderful time, this wonderful anniversary trip, and there was this one day <clears throat> that we were driving on the Pacific Coast Highway, and, and if any of you have done it, it's just, it's wonderful. And on one side, you know, you've got the ocean, like the beautiful ocean and the smell, and, and on the other side, you've got like these rolling hills and this wine country, and just, you've got like everything beautiful all in one place, and we were driving and had the windows down and listening to Daft Punk, and, and like we just could smell these like fresh, wonderful strawberry fields. And I just, it was so potent. Like in, I could just smell it, like engulfing like my nostrils. It was wonderful. Like we've all smelled a strawberry, but to smell like fields of strawberries, like the, the Driscoll strawberries that we all buy, like they have their farm out there in California. And so that's what I was smelling. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, like you are amazing. Like I'm smelling your beauty. I'm seeing your beauty. I'm feeling your beauty. And it was just such a worshipful such a worshipful experience and just to encourage all of you just like and even in little things and noticing the beauty of a flower and noticing like the smell of even like a beautiful baked cake or I mean all of that can be worship to God because he is God creator he creates and anything we create is only because he first created us and he is the author of all creativity I mean can any of you make a person like can any of you like knit together a human being. Like, it's just amazing. It's wonderful. Um, and another, like, the second point of who we worship is we worship God as king. He is king. And what I love about knowing, like, when I'm worshiping God as king, it's the realization of knowing that I am not king. I'm not the queen. And he he is just and he is mighty and he is the king and when we position ourselves in a place of worshiping the king we can't help but just fall down on our knees like our hands down like emptied our our heads bowed low knowing that he is the king of everything so any circumstance that we have in our life that's overwhelming knowing that he is the king, he is king over our children, he is king over our finances, he is king over our jobs, he is king over our church, he is king over, over all, over all. And when we are just able to position ourselves humbly before him, we're able, like, and even in the way that our body responds, we're able to let go and give him everything that we're holding on tightly to, and we're able to let him, we're able to let him be the king of whatever that area is that we're having a hard time letting go of, worshiping him as king. And also in knowing that he is king, knowing that we're heirs, like we are, we are sons and daughters of the king. And knowing that, like we are princes and princesses. 
You know, when I tell my kids that, like, they are, that Winnie is a princess and Luca is a prince, like, they, <laughs> it's funny having them in here right now, actually. Um, <laughs> like, that is true. Like, they are, they are sons and daughters of the Most High King, and we are sons and daughters of the King. And how just much rest and how much peace and how much freedom there is in that knowing that we are not the kings and queens of, of our lives, that we have a father, a king who cares for us. And, um, and that also um, brings me to 1 Peter 5, 7, you know, cast all your, cast all your cares and your anxiety on, on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. And he wants to take all of your anxiety, all your fears, all your burdens because he cares for you. You know, and all these little things that we, you know, nowadays we were, when we were chatting this week and, and prepping for this teaching, like everything that the world has to offer right now, like when you look at like iPhones and iPads and I, 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 everything, you know, like the world wants us to think and believe. It's almost like this huge marketing tool. Like you can be the king and the queen of your own life. You can have your own little world in your phone, and you can have, you know, your Facebook page where you can make everything look perfect and wonderful when, like, really, like, none of our lives are perfect and none of them are like they look on Instagram or Facebook or any of the stuff that, like, we can kind of create to be the kings and queens of our own worlds. But, but God is the king, and he says, no, look to me. Only I can handle all this. Only I can handle your family and your job and your home and your heart. You know, we can't really, like, everything the world wants to sell us and, like, the I, 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 everything is just so counterfeit, and it's just, it's just not real. It's just not real. We can't be the, the rulers of our own life. And when we try to be, we just are in such turmoil and restlessness and, and God is king, says, no, let me rule. I, I am the ruler. I reign. I am king. And um, as king, I forgot to read the verse that, um, that goes with that. But Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. And so just knowing that he, he is king, he always will be king. He was king, he is king, he always will be king. And we are not the kings of our own lives. And the next part of who we worship is he is Trinity. We worship God as Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the, the Holy Spirit, and three in one. And what's amazing about that is he, he's like, here I am, here I am, I'm, here I am as Father to you and your need. Here I am as the Son, Jesus, your brother, your, your Savior, and here I am as Holy Spirit, you know, welcoming his Holy Spirit. You know, when we just sing, in like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. You know, we, God, Holy Spirit, he is who has been given to us, like such a special gift that we have who lives inside of us, you know, that, that we have his presence to completely come and change atmospheres, change cities, change lives and, and, and cultures. You know, we, he is God three in one. And what part of the Trinity, like God the Father, God the, you know, the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are you in need of today? You know, are you in need of just knowing that the Father just loves and adores you, and so you sing, oh, Father, I love you. You are a good, good Father. You know, or Jesus, like my, my brother, like my, my Savior, thank you, Jesus, for, for saving me and rescuing me and being my hope. Or Holy Spirit, like I need you. I need to feel you. I need to feel your presence. You know, like something I touched on pretty heavily in first service is, you know, I can't make any one of you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, Eben can't. You know, the greatest worship set or the greatest sermon can't make you feel like the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's just, that's up to him. And that's just, that's just personal between you and him. And my prayer is that each person here this morning would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, all of us have, have moments that we are like, oh, I felt his presence, and it comforted me, and it, 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 it restored me, and it healed me. And my prayer for each of you is that you really would feel the presence of, of the Holy Spirit, like 
the Father, bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And the next, the next part of who we worship is he is Savior. You know, and I mean, it kind of goes in part with like Jesus being, you know, Savior three in one. But when we just solely look to Jesus as Savior, um, Matthew 1, 21, um, we can look at, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, that's, that's hope. That is hope. And that is worth worship, I mean, in my opinion, because I know where my life was headed before Jesus, and it, it wasn't, it wouldn't have looked pretty if Jesus hadn't have saved me, I know that for sure, and I, I'm just so grateful, and I think when we worship Jesus, when we look at Jesus as Savior, it, it wells up this sense of gratitude, this hope and this gratitude, like, oh my gosh, I am, I would just be a pile of mess and darkness and sin without you, Jesus, as my Savior. You've come and you've rescued me and you've set me free and you are worthy of worship. It's when we sing songs, you know, about God being our rescuer, our Savior, um, just well, you know, this gratitude just like completely just wells up inside till it has to just burst out. And like, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. You are just so worthy. Um, and it takes our eyes off of ourselves. So that is it for my part right now. Now off to Evan. Isn't she lovely? It's just like she's, I don't know what else, I mean, what else really am I going to say? It's like I could just kind of sit there all day and listen, right? Well, then why, why worship? Why do we need to worship? Why, what's important about worship? You know, it's, worship is important. Worship is significant. Know, knowing why you worship is very significant. It's of eternal significance because I'll... And there are a number of reasons why knowing why you worship is important. And one of those main reasons is because if you do, if you do not know why you worship, you'll stop doing it when things get hard. You know, it's like, it's like the... Um, <laughs> It's like the New Year's resolution on, like, fitness goals, right? It's like the, you know, you're, you're like hashtagging, hashtag fitness goals on Instagram. And, you know, in January, you, like, have your, your red Nikes, like, you know, like, red, new red Nikes, Instagram, hashtag fitness goals, going to hit the gym. And you, where do you go? You got to go to somewhere with, like, fitness in it so you can tag it when you get there, you know? It's like Planet Fitness or... LA fitness or lifestyle fitness, got to go somewhere so that people know, man, he's going to work when he goes there. He's going to, she's going to work when she, she is fitness goals. Come on. And then, you know, it's like, it's like end of January and you're, you're still on your hashtag crusade, hashtag fitness goals. And you're like at the elliptical machine, you know, ladies, you're at the elliptical machine. That's where you live. And you're biking, and it's an Instagram photo, and there you are still doing it. And then, and then comes, like, mid-February. And, you know, maybe you're still at Planet Fitness, LA Fitness, Lifestyle Fitness, one of those fitness places. And, but, like, this, it's getting difficult now. And your muscles are starting to ache. <laughs> and then it's March. And come March 1st, it's like... It's no more hashtag fitness goals. It's, um, it's like back to Instagram photos of your three-layer chocolate cake. <laughs> hashtag bless. <laughs> and, you know, because you, you fell off the wagon. You know, we're always like that. When things get difficult, you and I alike, we, you know, we don't stick to our New Year's resolutions. We, it's difficult for us to worship when things are tough. But yet it's the best thing for us. It's what we were, what we were made for. It's the fuel that gives us... Um, it's the fuel that gives us energy to withstand trials, to come through trials in our lives. 
come through struggles, whether you're struggling financially or struggling uh, in your marriage or struggling with your kids. Worship is, is the fuel that sees us through trial. So it's important to know why we worship. Oftentimes, if you go to like hear like a talk on worship or, or why we worship, you'll probably hear, you know, nine times out of ten, you'll hear like, oh, well, we worship because you were created to worship. And that sometimes seems too easy of an answer. It's like, well, why do you worship? Well, because God made me to worship. That's like the church answer from like 1970 and forward. I was created to worship. But I wanted to get at that. Like, well, what does that really mean? What does it mean that you were created for worship? And as I was preparing this week, I felt the Holy Spirit sort of drawing my thoughts and my heart towards like the word hunger instead. You know, to think about it in that, in that way would be helpful to think about like, well, I was created for this hunger in me. I was created for, for experience. I was created to experience awe and wonder. We, we weren't created, we weren't set here on earth to like live unimpressed lives. You, you know, we, we weren't created, and it's not devaluing the, the mundane or the, the daily sort of the routine kind of moments, because those are significant too. There's gold in those too, but we were, we were meant to live moments of wonder and, and, and experience. We were meant for encounter. We were meant to hunger God. We weren't, we weren't just meant to like pick up our Bible like, you know, if we get up 15 minutes early in the morning and like crack it to the Psalms and be like, man, that was great. You know, 15 minutes of coffee with Jesus, I'm good to go. We were meant to walk around with a, a sense of his lasting presence inside of us in worship. You know, Bob Dylan, uh, the songwriter, treasured American songwriter, was uh, sang a song, and, and he said that you got to serve somebody. you got to serve somebody. You, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to. You're going to bow the knee somewhere in your life. You may, you may bow the knee to money in your life. What he's saying is, he's, he's asking, what's, what's on the throne of your life? And when you determine what's on the throne of your life, you'll, you'll figure out pretty quickly what your motivation is and why you worship. You may have money on the throne of your life. You may have your kids' happiness on the throne of your life. You may have, you may have um, family on the throne of your life. You may have your job or your success in life on the, thr- uh, uh, on the throne of your life. But Dylan said, you've got to serve somebody. You're going you're to serve. You're going to worship. You're created to hunger. And you're going you're gonna to try to fill that hunger with something or someone. It's just a matter of who or what. Worship's about hunger. Why we worship matters. Motivation in worship matters. And if you, if you were to set um, a group of people down in a room, say, in the, in the 1940s or the 50s, and you would, you would ask them this question, you would ask them, why do you worship? you would probably get a uniform response. Nine out of ten people would most likely respond to the question, why do you worship? Why do you go to church? Most folks would tell you in those days, well, because that's what good people do. Good people, no, seriously. In In those days, you went to church because you had to. It was something to keep up appearances. It was something that you were obliged to do. Not so anymore. That's not the prime motivator for people going to church or for people finding out why they worship. There's so many reasons for why people worship. Some may say, I worship because he's worth it. It's all about him. He's he's worthy, so I, I worship. Simply because he's God. Some other people may say, I worship because I feel something from that. When I worship, I, I experience God. I sense that he's near me. But for whatever reason, for whatever your motivation, 
I love what N.T. Wright, he's a, a New Testament theologian, what he says about worship. N.T. Wright says that you become like what you worship. When you gaze in awe and admiration and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object of your worship. You become like you worship. Did you know that? That your motivation will drive what your future looks like. That's what he's saying. I'll say that one again. Your, your motivation in worship will drive what your future looks like. If your worship is driven from a hunger for more of God, your future will look more like the one that He has for you. Because you become like what you worship. That's predetermined. You, because you're created for hunger you're going to become like what you worship. Another way to put it is that what people revere, what people set up on the throne of their lives, they resemble. Either for ruin or for restoration. So your, your worship, whatever or whoever you're worshiping, your worship is either aimed at your ruin or your worship is aimed at your restoration, but it's aimed in either case. It's pointed. You're, you're headed somewhere. You're headed to look like something. You're headed to look like someone. Now, now you might say to me, don't tell me that. I command my own destiny. I know what. I, I'm king or queen over my own life. But the truth is, is that you become what you worship. You're going to become like what you worship. And in the vineyard, this is why we worship. This is why we worship. From a sense of deep hunger and desire to meet with God. Carl Tuttle is, is a longtime worship leader in, in the vineyard. He's written many beautiful songs that are, uh, that we sing, that vineyard, song, vineyard churches sing all over the movement every Sunday. And I sat down with Carl last, last year at a, a retreat, and I chatted with him just about, just about this very thing and why, why we worship. And here's what Carl said, paraphrase. He said, deep inside we desire and need to meet with God. We have this hunger for more of God and want to experience an intimate relationship and love with Him. We worship because it best brings about the fulfillment of these things. The most important thing to us is to know God through relationship. To know Him through relationship. Worship is our highest priority because it, it facilitates us knowing God in intimate, loving relationship. Psalm 107 verse 9 says that he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. When we worship, we discover why we were created. We discover why we were knit in our mother's womb. We find out our sole purpose in life is to give our lives back to the one who knit us. You see, because worship is a response. We don't, we don't initiate worship. We, we lack resource inside to worship. All we're doing is, what we're doing is we're responding. We're responding to the Father's song that's already being sung over us. That's what worship is. Worship's a dialogue. Worship's not a monologue. Worship's a dialogue between a loving father and a son or daughter. It's our response. We, we respond to what he's already doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us and in nature, in our families' lives. We're simply responding. We find that our desires and our longings become satisfied in him alone. In worship, and knowing why we worship, 
We find that there's something of satisfaction in it. We find that there's something fulfilling in worship. You know, not to say that we're coming to get something out of worship, because we know that worship isn't about us, right? It's not about us. But sometimes we say that in a falsely humble sort of way, don't we? Oh, it's not about us. It's about him. It's all about him. (laughs) Yeah, right. You say that, you don't mean it. It's all about him. It's all about him. No, it's Christ in you. All of him in all of you. You you come to the table too. That's what relationship is. Relationship isn't one-sided. I mean, what kind of like psychopathic God do you think we serve? It's not all about him. He wants to know you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He doesn't demand worship. He compels worship. He draws response. You know what I'm saying? He's not just up there like, worship me, do it now. That's not who Jesus is. It's relationship. It's not monologue, it's dialogue. And we find our hearts and our souls being filled as we worship him. True worship satisfies us. And it's not prideful to come to worship with expectation. It's just not. It's okay. It's okay to respond to God. It's okay to ask Him, God, I need your presence. I've come to meet with you. Will you come and fill me as I worship you to ask Him to fill you? Will you come and meet meet with me, God? That's not being selfish. That's being honest. That's being authentic. And saying, I'm dry. Look, I've got, I've got nothing happening in there. <laughs> I've really got nothing to give. You're going to have to fill me, God. Fill me with your presence. And why? Why else do we worship? Well, we worship because many times words let us down. Words aren't enough. And it's like the only sort of like subculture where this, where this happens. It's like you know, brothers and sisters, what, what do you do? Followers of Jesus, what do you do when you're going through a tough patch in your marriage? What do you do? Well, we sing. We worship. Oh, you sing. That's weird. You don't go see a counselor. You don't. What do you do? What do you do, brothers and sisters? What do you do when you're going through a tough spot financially? Well, I worship, I sing. Isn't that weird? Don't you think that's weird, but the coolest thing ever? The coolest thing ever, the weirdest thing ever, is that when we're going through challenges, we sing. Because we realize that there are some things that we can't say. We can't say them. We don't have the words to say them. Does Paul say that there, there are deep groanings within you? There's something in the deep parts in, the, in you that needs to be filled, that needs to be satisfied, and words it can't cut it. Words don't cut it, so what do we do? We sing. Isn't the Father good that he puts melody in us? Are we the only creatures to, to sing? I don't know. I mean, it was funny. I was, I was sitting down at the piano a few weeks back, and I was just worshiping. I don't know. It was just, it was just some random moment, you know? like kids are playing around and I'm at the piano and I'm you know hacking my way through that and just worshiping and then I'm singing out and as I start to sing there's this bird out in the front yard do you remember that and the bird um, starts mimicking the melody it was the strangest thing and I think I was going through something I just I just needed to worship I just needed to like express you know and as I'm singing this bird, and I, and I, and I hear it, I go, Sarah, listen back. And so I, I played quieter, and then I just started to sing again, and the bird did it again. And it was just such a special little uh, moment. And I don't know why I'm sharing that with you, because, I mean, the point is that when we don't know what to do, we sing. When we don't know where to go, we sing. And that's something so unique to following Jesus. That's something so precious to following Jesus that when we don't know what to do, we become like a child and we sing. We dialogue. Okay, that's it. Tag, you're it. Um, well, next, I'm talking about um, how, how we worship. 
And, you know, having Eben just say, like, well, we sing. <clears throat> we do sing. And singing is a practical, tangible way of expressing worship. But, like, how do we, how do we really worship? Like, 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, we worship with our, with our lives, with our, with our entire lives. And, you know, looking at Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So a, a, life, a life surrendered to God is worship. But for many of us, like, we might not feel like our lives are surrendered or, you know, like, part of our life is surrendered or half of our life or this little sliver of our life might be surrendered. But, you know, knowing, you know, God, God just, he's, he, he's with us. Whether we feel like we have surrendered our everything to him or not, even if, like, we hear this, you know, because I think there are times in our lives where we hear this passage. I know where I've heard this passage, and I feel pretty convicted. I feel kind of icky because I'm like, man, I don't, I don't feel like my life is very surrendered. <laughs> you know, like I, I really lost, I really lost it, like with my kids. Like I lost my temper. Or I did not treat Eben well, or I'm just struggling. You know, and then I think we we read this passage and and we're like, oh, I just my life my life, I'm not worshiping, I'm not, how can my body be worshipful to God, you know, and like, I'm not exercising every day or living life like I think I should, but knowing that in that, like, God, like, he's with us, he's with us, even if we, we feel like we are failing completely, like, had a horrible day, had a horrible week, had a horrible minute, he is just, he's with us. Um, There's a Latin word called um, caram deo, which means to live before the face of God or to live in the presence of God. And knowing in that, like, our lives are ever before him, whether we think so or not, <laughs> whether we believe it, whether we just, we know it, whether we, you know, have a hard time with it, it just is what it is. Like, our lives are ever, ever before God. And, it, and not in a judging way. I think a lot of us feel like, if, if we know that our lives are ever before God, he's like looking down at us like, look what you did. Look what you did. You screwed up again. You messed up again. You yelled again. You lost it again. You know, you're, you're drinking again. You're smoking again. You, you know, you're, you're failing all over the place. Like, get it together. But no, like, he, he looks, his face, his eyes are ever on us in, in love. Just in complete love. No matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've failed or how many times we have to say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? However many times we've just messed up again, like he looks, his eyes are on us in love. And that, I don't know about you all, but like that really stirs up worship within me, knowing that he's, he's with me. He is with me. If, if I'm just struggling, if I'm, if I'm lonely, if I'm depressed, if I feel like I'm going to just jump out of my skin because I'm just, if things are so hard. I mean, for us, like, we, we've had a hard year. It's just been a hard year, <laughs> you know. I mean, I know many of you know, like, we just, you know, we haven't really, we've only been settled a couple months now in our house. So we were driving from Columbus to here every Sunday morning, and it was hard on our family. It was hard. It was spiritually hard. Um... But for me, what that looked like in worshiping was I remember meeting with, like, a, a real a spiritual father to us. And, you know, he knew our situation. And he was like, Sarah, just by you going every Sunday and making the long drive and showing up, like, that's worshiping the Lord. And it really, like, that gave me, when we met with him, our, our dear friend, like, that gave me the fuel the fuel that I needed to keep going <laughs> because it, even though it was just so hard and, and we just felt so torn in many different ways. and But I was like, okay, Lord, like I, I'm worshiping you just in like waking up at 530, waking up my kids, getting them like oatmeal in a to-go cup and getting in the car, driving in the dark 
and getting to Cleveland on a Sunday morning, like that is worshiping you, you know? And so it's just stuff like that. It's just stuff like, even when things are hard, knowing that he's, he's with you, he's with you in it. And when sin tries to drag us away and entice us and make us even think or believe that we're alone, like we're never alone. We could lock ourselves up in a closet, you know, with whatever your vice is, you know, like I, I was joking, like for me, like Ben and Jerry's is kind of like my, my little vice. If I've had like a hard day, I'm like, Evan, can you pick me up with a, like a whole thing of Ben and Jerry's? You know, I, I, I told this story of, um, sorry, I heard from another pastor, but this guy who was smoking was his thing. And I, I know about that because my dad's just been smoking my whole life. And I used to like get his cigarettes and f- try to flush them down the toilet. Like that made him even more mad because he's like, I have to buy more now, sir. I mean, it just, it never worked. But I, I hated that he smoked and I always wanted him to quit. But this guy who struggled with smoking and he just said that he invited the presence of the Lord in to even when he would get a cigarette and light it up and be smoking, he'd be like, Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. And over time, it just his desire to smoke just completely went away. Because in the presence of the Lord, like our addictions just they, they fall when we when we invite him in, you know. So whether if it's you struggle with, with alcohol or, you know, too many Ben and Jerry's, you know. I mean, this has been a rough year. I've definitely partaken of too much Ben and Jerry's this year. And, like, inviting, you know, Jesus, like, thank you, Jesus, that you love me and that you're with me. Like, you know, it'll start tasting worse, you know. It just will. <laughs> Amen. Um, <laughs> but just as we... You know, I mean, we just all, we all, we all, we all have those things that just want to drag us away and entice us. But so how do we worship? How do we worship when we're really struggling with an addiction or we're struggling with thoughts? We invite Jesus into it. And there's just so much power. Um, so how do we worship, like, in, in joy and in sorrow? You know, a lot of us, we can worship when, like, it's springtime and it's beautiful, you know, that song, it's springtime with you, um, making all things new, you know, like, it's, it's really easy to worship and how we talked about God the creator, like, when spring is sprung and when everything's beautiful or when, you know, you, you're newly married or you're in a new relationship or things are so, like, fresh and full of life and you're like, thank you, Jesus, you know, but how do we worship in sorrow, you know, how do we worship when we've lost someone that we love, how do we worship when we found, find out, like, we have, like, a huge, you know, a, a tumor that we don't know if it's benign or malignant? How do we worship when, um, like, our, our, our kids are struggling or we're lonely or we're depressed or we go through a breakup? You know, we, we worship in sorrow knowing, once again, that, that Jesus is with us. He's with us in the sorrow. He's with us in joy. I mean, Jesus... He, he understands, he, he made each of us, he's with each of us. Um, a couple examples that are just always so vivid and tangible for me when I think about worshiping and sorrow. First, when it was almost exactly probably four years ago from this month, um, some dear friends of ours, and we, we share this story often, it was, it was really, um, it's been a huge part of our life and it's part of our, our journey. Um, she, the, 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 our, our, the wife, my friend Robin, she was pregnant with twins and had a real rough go at it and was on bed rest for several months, but still um, just had to give birth to the babies very, very early. Um, I mean, they were so early, and she gave birth to them in the morning. This was the day before Easter, four years ago, and um, they both at that time in the morning were, were, for how early they were, were doing well, were doing well. Um, but Samuel was having trouble. He was definitely the weaker of the two. And um, I just remember being in the morning so grateful that they were born and they were healthy and they were alive. Because we really, there were ups and downs of like with Samuel, like he lost all the fluid. And I mean, it was just really rocky. So all day, you know, and we're in the meantime, this whole week getting ready for Easter, you know, like we were leading worship for Easter service that next morning. And this was in Augusta, Georgia, where we'd been the past four and a half years. And then 
we got, I got, a, actually, I got a text from Robin that night. It was, it was 12 hours after the twins were born, um, and she said, Samuel went to be with Jesus. And I just lost it. I, I lost it. I, I was just, I just wept. I couldn't, I was angry, I was disappointed, I was in shock, and I just, I called her, because I was like, how do you respond, what do I do, you know, as her dear friend, and I just called her, and we just, we wept, we just wept and wept together, I, I had no words, I, I had no words, I, I had never journeyed, like, having a dear friend lose a child, um, and just, just wept, and then here the next morning, we have to go and like lead worship for Easter. Like he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yet like just crying all night and having this baby that you've prayed for months to, to, to live like has, has, has died. Um, and for both of us, it was such a, it was so hard. It was so hard, but it was so powerful to still like with our bodies and with our, our words be worshiping Jesus who now who now holds Samuel and who like Robin will like when in heaven she will get to meet him and she will get to be his mama and she will get to you know we just had a conversation not long ago that you know she's like Sarah and when I get to heaven I think the Lord's going to give me the gift of getting to watch him grow up of him being a baby and watching him grow and that was just so powerful to hear but she she still is so faithful and trusting Jesus that he is good, and that he, he was with them in that. He was with them in that, and losing a child, like the, mo the worst thing that could ever happen on this, in this world, I believe. Um, but he is with us in our sorrows. In Augusta, we, we also, um, we had lost a dear friend who, um, he was always the guy in the sound booth, and he was like behind all the sound, and just um, an elder of the church, just a great guy, but young. He was in his 50s. He was not old, um, and he tragically died. He, he, it was just very uh, a surprise. He was healthy and strong, and he fell off of his bike um, and, like, had a heart attack and fell, and so it was just a huge shock on all of us, and Eben and him were really close, and um, so the Sunday after um, Bill's funeral, we were leading worship, and his whole family, his wife and him had come to the church, um, but he had other kids who were living like in other parts of um, around Augusta and out of town. They all were just sitting. I'll never forget, like I was over here and his family was just sitting right there in that section. And so here we are leading worship again, like on the tail end of like great sorrow. And I'll just never forget, we were singing the worship song, Stand in Awe, and it's it, because of this, it holds, it, it's so dear to me. It, it's one of the most special worship songs I, I, I have that I love to sing. And um, here we are, like the lights were coming down, and we were singing that song, and like, the presence of the, I mean, the Holy Spirit was so thick in the room with like Bill's family there. And seriously, it was like, it was like Bill was worshiping with us in heaven. And it gave me, I was like, the tears, I couldn't, like, I still have the memory so vivid of, like, the lights, like, like being blurry blobs of, because I was, like, weeping so intensely. And, like, I could not even sing. I couldn't even get, it was so intense. And, but it gave me this amazing picture of, like, how we do worship. Like, we worship with the saints. We worship with the angels. In heaven and earth, like, let your kingdom come, like, not in a weird way of like, you know, people that we have lost are, are with us in some weird way, but, but like knowing that we get to participate in worshiping God while those that have gone before us are worshiping him. The angels are worshiping him. And it was just this amazing, amazing time of like worshiping with this man who had just gone to be with Jesus and like was invading earth. I mean, it was just so powerful. And so that is an amazing picture of like how he's with us in our sorrows. Like, like Bill's family, like everyone like felt it. It was so intense and powerful. So we have this hope and this joy in knowing that he is with us in our sorrows. He's with us in our joy and he is our hope. And that is how we worship, even in times of deep despair. He is our hope.